What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with some friends of mine from the tech incubator that I'm involved with, which is, uh, it's a crazy journey that we're all on and it's exciting, but I, I want to support all the people that are in this, this pot, we'll call it together. I want to I support them all and I want to help elevate people because that's my mission. All people are unstoppable to live in their life for their dreams. And so I wanted to bring some friends of mine on and, you know, let me, first of all, before I do that, thank you all for showing up and listening to these podcasts and watching them. If you watch them, you know, it means the world to me to have your support. It means the world to me that you've read my book, Rocket Fuel. If you haven't, go get it and read it so I can thank you for reading it. <laughs> and and uh, just the, the fact that you show up each and every week, twice a week, I want to thank you. And I, I really sincerely mean that. So Dr. Lukens is on the show today with his sidekick, Holly. He's a clinical psychologist and emotions theorist specializing in human motivation and is Sidekick Holly is a behavioral scientist, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what are your thoughts of... I'm reading this by guys. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Of it. Like, just discuss the topic. Oh, so we're going to discuss the topic of defeating self-defeatism. All right. Look, this I've been doing like 200 shows and I still mess up and it is what it is. I just roll. So <laughs> show must go on. What's up? How you doing, Dr. Lukens and Sidekick Holly? <laughs> we're good. We're good. I'm good. Hey, you know, I always I- pretend I-, I, have a, I have a good audience, right? But I always pretend nobody ever sees it anyway, because <laughs> in promotion and business, promoting is so important and mm-hmm. we, you, you got to promote, 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 and then forget about it and then do it again because pretend nobody ever saw it because we're all the stuff that we put out there is only a drop in the bucket, really. Yep. Yeah. You know? so I remember you saying that anyway. one time on one of our SELA meetings uh, yeah. and I thought yeah. that was a very impactful way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've been mentored by some maniacs, so they, they think that way. So anyway, the show always starts with this question and, you know, occasionally I'll have a couple people on instead of one, and I want to ask both of you this question. So we'll start with ladies first, Holly. Oh, what, what are you made of? made of? What am I made of? Um, I'm made up of all of the experiences I've had in my life. And, um, hold, 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 hold on a minute. I don't mean to interrupt you, but you got to get like, that's, that's too, that's like the oh, definition of what are you made of? We no, don't want the I'm definition. Gonna, I'm going to give you something good here. We want to, yeah. I, I'm going to make sure that I get something good from you guys. Oh, you will. I promise. <laughs> so I am made up of all the experiences I've had in my life, but also by, I'm made up of my mother's guiding hand and my conscience in choosing right for, you know, from wrong for myself and for others and for the world. So in reality, my experiences have played a role in who I have become, but I was shaped into the type of person that really wants to change the world simply because my mom helped develop my conscience. So I would say, what am I made of? And it's a very well-developed conscience that I work on every single day. Love it. Love it. We'll dig into that in a second. Dr. Lukens? Yeah, that's a good question. So how did I get here? What am I made of? I don't know what, what question I really want to answer there, but I look at myself relative to my uh, my DNA, my parents. My dad was um, an engineer, knew a lot about things. My mother was a 
she was actually a, a Catholic, but was more Christian than most Christians. And uh, so she had a loving heart and he had a hyperactive head. <laughs> so, so I got some of both of them. And uh, I've been trying to understand the human uh, mind like a machine. So I want to understand it from the standpoint of what is love and what does that mean? But I also want to look at it in terms of efficiency and how it works as a machine. So I see the direct contribution from the two of them in terms of the work that I've been spending my whole professional life on. I love it, man. And you know that's a really interesting topic because our mind is with us at all times and it affects so much. And uh, you know, defeating self-defeatism, you know, it's a uh, it's a crazy thing. And I don't know, you know, I'm just getting into this book, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, and I don't know if it goes against what you have studied or talk about. But uh, and I'm not trying to promote anybody, but there's a book called The Folly of Fools, and I just got it. I, I haven't started mm-hmm. reading it yet, but Ty Lopez talked about it, and I'm just. Is it? Are you familiar good with it? T- no, but it's a good title. I like the title. Yeah, I've never heard of it either. So we'll do some digging yeah. on it. Let's yeah, it's how, how it is. The logic of deceit and self-deception in human life. So I'm I'm, I'm yeah, obsessed with well, this that, right now. That's so. uh, that sounds like it's very much in agreement with my theory about all this. So yeah. uh, you know, part of the reason we're self-defeating is we have this mind that's with us all the time, and we hardly study it. We don't actually study ourselves. We just we're busy every day being ourselves, taking what makes us tick for granted. Until we find ourselves breaking down, then it's like, and then we look, mm. and then we're looking problem focused. You know, like we don't study it just just because we want to know, and that's a shame because there's so much to learn. So we're a pretty complicated species, in case we haven't recognized. <laughs> yeah, I think we're the only only living organism that justifies why we didn't get what we want or why we didn't achieve what we wanted to. Yeah, we tell great stories. We have you know these narratives and these dramas and whatnot, and sometimes we get so preoccupied with that shit we actually f- forget to live. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, this is a perfect timing that we're, you know, talking about this and having you guys on the show because I'm absolutely obsessed with this. And just this, just this week, I did a talk on one was causing and creating your future. And the other one was what story are you telling yourself? Yeah. You know, and we all have this story that we're telling ourselves of many of them. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you can just stop telling the story of why you failed and start talking about why you're winning, that helps. But I'd love to hear your take on this and where this comes from. And before we do that, though, I want to know, where is the mind actually located? <laughs> well, it's interesting. You asked a question. Um, so one of my favorite theorists is actually a, a um, theoretical biologist from Chile. He passed away uh, this past year. but um, So he's gone on record as saying the mind is not in the head. And his argument is that the mind actually exists in the space between people. Mm-hmm. Now, it would take a month of Sundays to explain why he thinks that. <laughs> but... To that point, it's not in the head. It's in some sort of virtual space that exists between people, which is part of the reason why when we tell our stories, we actually need to have somebody to tell it to. And if you contrast that with the with the homeless person on the street who's just talking to themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The rest of us need to have somebody else like nodding, just like you guys are right now. While I talk, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You get me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Part of the reason we got to keep our stories intact, but then we do con- we confuse the story with reality. And that creates a whole lot of mischief. And then when reality deviates from our story, guess what we cling to? Our story, rather than get with reality. Like the story should get thrown out. It should be revised frequently. It's not a set of commandments. It's a description. And people take it like it's a set of commandments, a set of conclusions. And, you know, I don't know that people tell a good enough story based on their pain, their struggles, their confusion. You know, what, what kind of story do you come up with there? A lot of excuses. You've heard that cliche in life, there's results or there's excuses. 
Well, that, you know, that's sort of the cornerstone of a lot of motivational speakers. But I think there's more to it than that. And having studied the mind, I can sort of, you know, say with some confidence, people are self-defeating because they don't understand their fear, their anger, their sadness, their disgust, their guilt, their shame, their interest, their desire, or their joy. Meaning we don't understand our own equipment. Yeah. Yeah. And we, then we wonder why it doesn't work so well. Yeah. It's, these are things beyond our six senses or our five senses. <laughs> but these are things that what, what would you call those? Uh, would you call them um, faculties that we don't faculties? use and yeah, we don't study? That, yeah. That's a, that, well, you know, there's, there's the way that we operate and the things that I just named are our basic emotions. So in my view, in my framework, those are the, that's the finite set of motivational energy for human beings. It's to be found in those nine basic emotions. So, you know, ask somebody what they're interested in. And um, it's kind of what you're asking us right now. You know, what are you made of really gets to the idea of like, well, what interests you and where did that, where did those interests come from? So I may have an interest in, you know, becoming successful. And I think all I got to do is want it and go for it. But then my fear stops me or my anger and resentment stops me or my sadness stops me, my grief. Think about how many people are walking around the planet with unresolved grief, with, with a collection of it. So part of the reason they don't go for their goals is they're, they're actually intuitively uh, concerned about there being more sadness. So they think of the goal and they start to approach the goal. Then the recognition that this could lead to a loss and create great disappointment and sadness shows up and then the whole plan stops and it recycles. And that's just one example. If you're guilty, you know, what guilty people is they walk around the planet finding ways to punish themselves and they don't realize that's what they're doing. That's so why in Christianity, they talk about why it's important to ask for forgiveness. Totally. It's not, it's not just in Christianity, but yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, well, that's, and, but I mean, that's an example, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. an example. Yeah. It's very critical. And forgiving yourself, people don't think in those terms too readily, but that's critical. What are you holding against you? You know, so you say, what are you made of? My question on my podcast, say, well, what are you holding against you? Yeah. You know, because, yeah. because that's holding you back. That's holding you down. But people don't like to touch their guilt. So, all right, well, let's do a guilt review. Well, can we schedule it for a month from now? Because <laughs> I don't feel like Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you crazy? I don't want to go to my guilt. Well, then how do you expect to get out from under it if you don't go to it? You know? So Yeah, that, well, that, 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 that's a fear of judgment as well, right? Well, the fear of judgment really relates more to the shame involved. But yeah, mm -hmm. um, self-judgment. I'm guilty. You know, I've, I've hurt people. I've hurt people I love. And, you know, well, what do you want to do about that? Well, get drunk and pretend I didn't. You know, well, then what's going to happen? You wake up tomorrow. They're going to be more hurt than they were today. Yeah. And then so yeah. there's this there's this build up. There's this plaque, so to speak, that builds up and builds up and builds up. Yeah. So with, yeah. with that being the case, like, what do you do? What's the first step to tearing that down? And by the way, I want to hear the story, too. I mean, I'm, we're getting ready into some content here, but I want to hear the story, too, of how you guys met and how you decided to work together as well. But just uh, uh, let's answer the plaque question. Yeah, let's go to the plaque question first, and then we'll get to Dr. that. Dr. L, I'd like to touch on the <laughs> bucket bucket there, because what he's explaining is essentially what we talk about that builds up over time inside of it. What's it called? Yeah. The, the fuck bucket bucket. bucket. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I was like, the what? The what? Uh, the you spoke it so fast. The bucket bucket is the place inside your mind where all your emotional incompletions live. So I never finished grieving. Plop, it goes into the fuck it bucket. I never express my anger to that person. Plop, it goes into the fuck it bucket. I never stood I up never, against a bully. Plop, I never managed to get bucket. safe. Fear mm -hmm. stuck in your fuck it bucket. 
So the fucking and trauma, you know, trauma just creates a big rock inside your fucking bucket. Some of the fucking bucket is um, hardened and concretized because it's been there so long and defended against so thoroughly. That's the stuff that oozes up from our unconscious. The middle layer is, you know, stuff that's old and we're somewhat aware of it, but we're trying to freeze it and, and turn it to stone. On the surface is all the fresh stress and shit that I'm aware of. And when the bucket is too full and it starts to overflow, we have more than we can handle. We start to act out. It's not a choice. You know, people think about all the acting out as a choice. If I fill your bucket, bucket to the point where it's overflowing, you will find a way to act out. Now, that could look like a depression. And that's, you know, might be a funny way to say acting out, but people will act out by yeah. getting depressed. In other words, I'm just going to take my ass and get under the covers and not show up in the world again for two weeks. That's acting out. That's what that is. We have more sympathy for it than that, than for the addict who acts out, right? I'm going to, I'm going to use. And I'm going to get sober. And if I want to get sober, I have to make sure that I've emptied or partially emptied my fucking bucket because you will not have success if your bucket's overflowing. And people usually show up in crisis. You know, now the bucket's overflowing. They just want to handle the crisis. If as a coach or therapist, you help them reduce the volume in their bucket, but they leave the, uh, the process, they quit the process, you know, and they've got like that much room between the tip of their bucket. And, and so they're, they're, they're just going to fall apart again in no time. Which is self-defeating. So the real trick is to learn how to keep your bucket empty. Mm-hmm. And people that are enlightened and walking around, you know, sort of like levitating through the world, have an empty bucket bucket. And everything that bothers them is the thing that's bothering them. It's not connected to 700 other things under the surface. Yeah. And then the least you keep in your fucking bucket, the more liquefied it is and easier to empty out. The easier it is to empty out, the more you yeah. have your consciousness, the further away you are from acting out, the more personal power you have, the more clarity you have about who you are and your values. And like Holly was talking about your conscience, like all the shit fits together better and just starts to work well. But that's yeah. a deep, that's a deep healing challenge. It's a deep healing mm-hmm. process for everybody. Everybody's got a bucket and everybody's got shit in it. And you know, past, I, past the age of two, you know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd like to speak to that real quick. Um, so, Dr. Lucas developed the analogy of the fuck it bucket. That's not something you're going to go find in like a textbook in psych. Uh, I was already looking it up, and yeah. I didn't see it. So, well, yeah, it's on our website. Um, but yeah, it's his analogy he developed. But the idea here is that if you are not aware that you have all this, you know, stuff inside, and you're not working on it, that's being self defeating. You could go out and say, you know, I want a career in this and I want to succeed. But in reality, your bucket's so full, you really don't want that for yourself. So the two major points when it comes to self, to defeating self-defeatism is to identify that you are the problem, that you might not want what you say you want as much as you think you want it. And that's because you're the one that's contending with you. It's an arm wrestle with yourself here. And that really does come down to how full your bucket is. And then, you know, the second point is that you have to find out where the road is still unpaved. Really, these incompletions Dr. Lukens talks about is, you know, the times the bullies bullied me and I didn't stand up for myself. Okay, well, that road might have continued to be paved where I learned how to defend myself in an appropriate way, but I got scared. And so the paving of the road stopped and then it was all dirt. So now I'm an adult and I have this life before me and I have 400 roads in front of me but I can really only go down the roads that have pavement that I was able to actually build out in my life and develop of myself. The incompletions cause me to be forced choice into certain paths that I can take. And that's very self-defeating rather than doing the work to pave the roads in the places where it might be difficult. You know, It's easier to drive down a road that's already paved than it is to pave a road and then drive down it. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's yeah, a great analogy. And um, so I envision what I might want. And it turns out the visions of my desires are addressing the bully indirectly. And so what I end up wanting is a path that has no bullies on it. And, uh, and then I kind of make up some interest in the thing at the end of that path. But really what I'm hoping for is a goal that I can achieve and never encounter a freaking bully. So I start down the path and I, and then, and then it's like the music from the movie plays in my head and I get my spidey sense and I think a bully's going to come and I'm not going to go down the path any further. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. So you're playing it safe. I yeah. play it safe. I go back to the center. I get depressed. I look around. I'm running out of options and I don't see myself stunting my own growth because I can't handle the bully trauma. Well, so what's the first step? What's the first and maybe what's yeah, the first you, and second well, you step? Gotta, you're not, you're not going to solve a problem you don't see or understand. So, so acknowledging so, it. Yeah, seeing it, understanding it. And recognize that if you told a story about it and you're believing your story, you probably got to unpack it further. If it made sense to your story, it's probably cheating your unconscious and your subconscious. So we have to move into a space of uncertainty, insecurity, and vulnerability, or healing's not going to happen. This is hard for people to do. This is hard for people to do, to just move into vulnerability. They say to themselves, I can't do that. It's going to hurt. And I can't tell them otherwise. You're right. But it's hurting anyway. You know, it's hurting by keeping you from your own fulfillment. Yeah. You know? But I don't want to have to do that. Like, well, pick your, you, pick your bed, right? Exactly. Pick your bed. I wish, you I wish you didn't have to as well. But this is how it works. And if you don't do it, you don't get there. Yeah. So you got to pump them up about the healing work that they need to do. And, you know, that's, that's our job. You know, we're, we're supposed to pump people up that way. And some people go through life <laughs> never even acknowledging it or even exploring it or studying yeah. it or anything, man. Yeah. Can you just imagine that? No, yeah, I know no. it's crazy. I'm yeah. I'm an I'm an animal, by the way, with, with with this. Like I study all different kinds. I mean, books, everything, and I link them up together because there's so many things that are common. Whether it's yeah, yeah. psychology or spirituality, uh, spirituality yeah. or yeah, yeah. religion, therapy, Absolutely. like all these yeah. different things, right? But there's all common threads. You know, there there's are. all common yeah. threads. You know, I, I think there's a, a great link there. So, how did you guys meet? And well, what's the story of uh, like that? And then also, where you guys are going? What's your big vision? Yeah. So essentially, I was I was doing business and marketing consulting, and my roommate at the time she was looking for a new job, and so her mom was on Indeed, and Dr. Lucas had posted an Indeed posting looking for a social media consultant to help him with his private practice. So I I answered the the Indeed ad. We met up, and you know I said, okay, great. This this sounds good for me. He brought me on. We started figuring out how we were going to market his practice and market therapeutic intensives uh, groups of therapy clients at a time. And then all of a sudden one day he was like, oh, you know, by the way, I wrote a book. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really cool. And it was an addiction book. So we worked on the the cover. And then the next thing I know, he's like, oh, I also have a very big book too. Would you, you be interested in that? It's theoretical. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Send me the manuscript. I start reading it. And I'm like, this could be so much more than a private practice. Like we really need to get on this. And we just developed this concept of after I started reading the book, I was just like, this is bigger than life. We need to build a brand around it. And he brought me on as a business partner and we kind of just hit the ground running there. And he told me, you know, you have the makings of what could be a great therapist and a great life coach. And so um, if you're interested in learning about that and my method, I'd love to teach you. 
And it kind of took off from there. What you just said right there, what he said to you, did you have any idea of that in your head or did that trigger something you're like, whoa, he believes in me? Yeah, it really came down to, I was like, oh, I've always been the therapist for my mom growing up for my friend group. You know what I mean? Like I'm the, I'm the girl people go to and they need to talk about something. It always has been like that. And it clicked that, dang, maybe I've you know been denying that, that piece of me as being something I could do. I wanted to be a doctor for the longest time, really, because I wanted to help people. But I realized I was more interested in helping their minds. And it wasn't until he gave me that vote of confidence that I was like, oh my gosh, I could actually do this. Yeah. You see how important that is for everybody listening that when you give somebody a vote of confidence, like what it can do to, to their lives and change their lives and change their director, direction and also the people that they can impact. Like if he didn't say that to you, you may not be on a different journey. And then the people oh, yeah. that you're helping, they may never been helped. So all the clients I've given so much like personal power and freedom to as a result of working with me never would have gotten there. And yeah. it's crazy to think that. Yeah. Great job, Dr. Mike. <laughs> I was correct, wasn't I? Yes, you were. <laughs> I wasn't so, blown. I wasn't blowing smoke. It was kind of obvious. <laughs> so, so yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like a lot of people observe things in people, but they don't speak up and share it with them, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying blow smoke or anything like that by any means yeah, or manipulate, yeah. but yeah, definitely yeah. people don't speak up enough and give people a vote of confidence and observe, you know, observation and feedback, you know? No, I, so, I, think, I think you're right. Yeah, people are hungry for validation. Um, yeah. We're all walking around a little hungry for that. So when you give it pointedly, it, it can really feed somebody a ton. Yeah. Now, what's this book about? What's the big book? What's it called? The Physics of Emotioning, a Constructivist Understanding of the Motivational Forces Governing Volitional Behavior. Long title, Dr. Mike. It's a long title, which is followed by a long book. So it's it's, 1,200 pages. (laughs) It's 30 years worth of theorizing and work. And uh, look, like I said, the mind's complicated. So I'm trying to describe the machine as I understand it. And there's just so much to it. So now, did you journal? Did you just journal all the time growing up? Is that what happened? How did you get 1,200 pages? You started this. What year did you start writing the book, Dr. O? (laughs) Well, the book has morphed. So when I first started out, I was intending to write a book about the therapy methodology only. But, But the more that I hung out and thought, I don't keep a journal. I just never stop thinking. It's like that kind of thing. I do this on vacation. I do this on vacation. You know, I I wake up in the morning and I think about these things and I, you know, I have, I have the things that are pressing upon me in life. And I try to put those aside every day and think about how life works. That's just kind of what turns me on. That's my reverie, you know? Yeah, no, I I feel that too. Like not from you. I know that about you. I feel that in myself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can tell you that way. You know what I mean? So uh, I, you know, you can't get enough now. A while ago, I stopped reading other people's shit because I became more interested in my own. <laughs> so uh, that was the point at which I had a um, I had a young uh, psychologist who was doing his postdoc, a place where I was working as a consultant, and he co-facilitated groups. And this was um, you know thirty years ago, twenty five years ago, and uh, so I, I had done a lot of intensive uh, therapy. With clients, I was always doing intensive stuff, more intensive than the average therapist. And he was fascinated because he hadn't been exposed to anything like it. So he insisted that I explain what I was doing to him. And I realized I didn't really have a, a clear explanation. I had intuition a lot. I used my intuition a ton, you know, I still do. But that the other side of my brain was sort of engaged because I wanted to explain it to him. Right. Because he has some very good pointed questions. Like, I don't know. Well, let me think about why I did that. And so that left me kind of moving into the method book, but it also got the conversation, can I explain my theory to myself? That right. was the question. Can I explain it to myself? 
so the real challenge for the book was I'm trying to figure out who my audience is. And the reason, like, you know, the, it has the um, impenetrable title and it's so long is because I decided in the end, I have to talk to myself. I need to explain this so that I understand it, not so that others do. Then I could, you know, once I understand it. Which is I where could. I come in. Now I That's make all right. the content now, that makes it understandable. <laughs> right, right. But, but ironically, you understood the book as it was written and you understood it pretty well. I did. So, I remember walking to your office and just sitting down and being like, I get it. I literally just yeah. did it just like that. I was like, I get yeah. it. I get what you're saying here. Now, yeah. is the book very difficult to read as far as yeah. uh, words and uh, oh, yeah. you got to yeah. stop no. and look up words and all that stuff? Uh, uh, every page. Yeah, it's difficult. Well, shit. Because I, yeah, because I didn't, I, well, I didn't write it to convey that to anybody else. The fact that Holly got it was gravy. You know what I mean? Like I needed yeah. to do a brain dump. I needed to get it yeah. done before I die. Yeah. And like Holly said, now we're busy trying to translate and turn it into English and bring it to people. You know? Yeah, like for instance, just in the title, it's like volitional motivation. People don't quite know what that means, yeah. right? In reality, that it just comes down to the type of motivation that is a part of our willful actions. You know, the difference between a doctor hitting you on the knee and your leg moving before you even compared to reflex. Option. Yeah, yeah. Right, but right. then right. afterwards, what's what's volitional is now I think about it where. After the doctor has done it, now I'm sitting there thinking, did my knee move too far? Is there something wrong? Is the doctor going to find something <laughs> wrong with my nerve system? Or my reflexes? Are they okay? That's volitional because I, yeah. it's a thought process. Thinking is action. And it's something that can go through the mind part where I, where I can talk to myself and stuff. Yeah. Well, right. voli- volitional generically means sort of voluntary, that we feel mm-hmm. like there's a choice, although I take issue with the way that we define that. So I've got to call it volitional, and then I got to define what I mean. By five, specifically. Five. Mm-hmm. And, and I've taken the liberty to, to define or redefine every single word that I feel is necessary to clarify. So one of the biggest things that we're going to be contributing is the understanding and the definition of love that uh, developed. And so I define love as committed benevolent interest. We refer to it as CBI for short. And um, I think it's probably going to end up being the most important contribution because you know, now we're going to segue into what we're trying to do. If I could get the world to rediscover this fresher definition of love, the world will change. The world will change. So, and let's get into what you're doing now with the tech side of things. Mm, yeah. But before I do that, what is, and it's just as short as you can, because I know we're tight on time and I want to respect your time. What is the difference between what you've come up with and any other psychologists or therapists or religions or like, what would be the main difference? I was giving that some thought how to describe that in three minutes and I gave up. So, but I'll, I'll try. So some of my assumptions about how the mind works are radically different from others. Just as one example, I have removed the idea of free will. So I don't know if there's another viewpoint in psychology that operates with that clear distinction, take free will out of it. BF yeah. Skinner, the noted behaviorist back from the sixties and seventies, he went on record as saying he didn't believe in free will. And he wrote a book uh, beyond freedom and dignity and he got attacked. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) People cherish their free will, their idea of free will. Like what happens to a sense of morality or religion or even, even, you know, the, uh, the institution of uh, law, crime and punishment. What happens to all that? If we question the legitimacy of free will. Yeah. Like I said, I, I saw from my father, the idea that we could examine the human mind as if it's machinery. So in a sense, what I've done is I've brought science to spirituality and love. So you see how these things begin to kind of like approach each other. And it turns out that the pieces of the pie fit together pretty elegantly, even though it's complicated. Yeah. 
So what we've done in the app then is taken some of what I understand. And again, the free will was just one example. If I believe as a scientist and a behavior scientist that everything in the universe is lawful and determined, I can't believe in free will. I can't actually endorse the idea of divine intervention. I have to explain us sort of physically, materially, cause and effect. It's a, it's a scientific commitment I made at the outset. If I need to bring in divine intervention or I need to bring in free will, then I'm fucked. Just throw the theory out. It has to be able to explain everything organically. And I think just to nail the nail that down real quick, just so that it makes sense, is the idea that like you go to therapy, or even if you're going to you're a Catholic and you go to confession, there's there's research by Blanchard and, and Far Farber that say that um, 93% of clients report lying to their therapist. So what Dr. Lukens has done with his method is it's because he's really looking at the mind in a scientific way with the assumption that it is a a type of emergent property of matter, like looking at it with a scientific lens, he's able to see past people's self-report. So I tell you I'm not depressed. And then three weeks later, you find out I've committed suicide. It's not that we can read minds, but it's that we can predict human behavior and we can predict given a little bit of information less than the average person using any other modality, what is going on for the person inside their meaningful world? What's going on inside their head? I think we can read minds in a sense. Well, because you're- We come pretty dang close. Well, you're looking. So was there a squirrel in the yard? You you see the tracks of the squirrel. You know know what you're looking for. Evidence. So you see the tracks of the mind and that's how you- So somebody says something and I'm seeing the tracks underneath it that are actually going in a direction opposite of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So it is like reading minds. Now, of course, you check yeah. it out, you know, you, yeah. you ask them or whatnot, but it is like reading minds. So that's the major difference, I would say. So the app, what's the app do, though? The app reads people's minds? Truth Map app. The Truth it Map helped. app. It, yeah, it, it, well, I it would say it helped. The lie detector? <laughs> well, yeah, right, exactly. You, <laughs> like you get the... shock treatment if you say the wrong thing. No, it helps you read your own mind. It helps you examine the tracks of your own mind. So. I'm not in the room with you, you know, uh, yeah. but my mind is in my conversation is in the room with you. Holly's mind and Holly's conversations in the room with you. And so we're helping you discover yourself. You say what you, what you think you mean, and then we help you look for the tracks underneath it. Mm-hmm. And so this is really empowering. People discover, you know, they have these insights. They get these discoveries all the time, just talking about their stuff from this perspective. Gotcha. So it's called Truth Map, right? Yes. Truth Map. All right, cool. And then where are you in? What, what stage are you in on this development? Well, we have a, a beta uh, MVP on both the App Store and Google Play Store. And it's right now available for, it's a mental health app for women. And it's, it's beta, it's got a chat bot and everything. But we are in the, the development stage of the app, obviously, with Jared and his amazing team. We're, in, we're raising funds right now and then uh, hopefully move straight into design and development. Well, look, I want to thank you guys for coming on today. I know we went over a little bit here, but what's the best way for people to find out about you or reach you or engage with you? Yes, they can find us online at truthmap.co and our Instagram, the truthmap, at the truthmap. On Twitter, it's just truthmap. Gotcha. Any final words, Dr. Mike? CBR. <laughs> CBI. Yeah, CBI. I love it. New, new definition of love. Yes. New definition of love. Thank well, you so much, thank, for yeah, having us. Thank you guys. I appreciate your time being Thanks here and sharing with my audience. And uh, guys, you've been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C Rock. I'm unstoppable because I am studying my mind. I'm trying to figure out how it works and understand if I can predict what can happen with it as well. So thank you for being here. Until next time, be unstoppable. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.